0: We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, we're a music podcast that chats to artists, musicians and creatives on their songwriting craft and upcoming projects. I'm your host Simon Fink and welcome to episode 282. The incredible Georgia Mooney joins us on the pod today in celebration of her debut solo record, Full of Moon. The ARIA award-winning songwriter, who some of you might know from her work in All Our Exes Live in Texas, Welsh has put her all into this brand new record and it definitely shows. It is such a beautiful and unique listen. The sonics are incredible. It is definitely worth your time when you have a chance to check it out. As always, we'll get some housekeeping out of the way, please make sure you subscribe to this podcast on whatever app you find good podcasts on and ensure you're following us across all of our social media channels. This week we've returned with a brand new YouTube video where we've gone record shopping with the one and only Greta Ray. So please head over to our YouTube channel to watch and subscribe after you've finished listening to this episode. Details for all of our socials can be found within the show notes of today's episode. guest today is Georgia Mooney, the songwriter, host, podcaster, and multi-instrumentalist is a woman of many talents. As one quarter of ARIA award-winning folk pop group All Our Exes Live in Texas, Georgia has toured the world many times over and played with artists varying from Nathaniel Rateliff to Midnight Oil and even the Backstreet Boys. Today, she's stepping out on her own with Full of Moon, which is her first solo record. It has Georgia striking such a rich and interesting sonic landscape with the record moving from sounds like eccentric 80s pop to more folk style affairs and Baroque sounding alternative music. It is a wild ride, but it is one that Georgia should be extremely proud of. In today's episode, we're talking to Georgia Mooney about this brand new record and how it's influenced by artists such as Abba and Kate Bush. We discuss what it's like to step out on her own and how the songwriting process differed under her solo project. We also quiz Georgia on whether we'll see any new episodes of her marvellous podcast, which is aptly titled Simply Marvellous, and what fans can expect from some upcoming shows of hers this year. Now Full of Moon is out now, and we've left links within the show notes on where you can buy the record and see Georgia live we also want to say a massive thank you to Liz from super duper for her help with today's episode here is our conversation with Georgia Mooney
1: give me a word still time to
0: go. please welcome to this song is yours Georgia Mooney hello Georgia hi thanks for having me. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, how, how are you going?
1: I'm, I'm pretty good. I just got back from doing um, an aqua aerobics class with um, the local Lewisham grandmas, <laughs> so that was mm-hmm. fun. Um, <laughs> that's been mostly my whole day. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't in the pool for the whole day, but that, that's been the highlight of the day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's not a bad. How's your day going? It, it's been an all right day. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much for asking. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I feel very lucky to be talking to you today. I know that. There's plenty going on. The aqua aerobics aside, there is plenty <laughs> going on in your life at the moment. Um, and so I'm very appreciative that we get to have a chat with you. Uh, you're releasing a brand new record today called Full of Moon. Firstly, congrats on this record.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much. It is exciting. It feels like it's been a while coming.
0: Well, I'm I'm very curious to to jump into the record and also have a little bit of a discussion, I guess, in terms of for those who are listening who maybe – And not aware of some of your previous work. You are one quarter of the incredible band All Our Exes Live in Texas, Um, but this is your first solo outing. So I'm curious how you're feeling in relation to, you know, release day with a band compared to as a solo artist.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a very different thing. I think there's there's beautiful things about both, obviously. One thing (laughs) that's really nice about um, being... Part of a band is that you kind of share all of the experiences. So you're sharing the stress of it as well, and you kind of just have someone to bounce everything off. Whereas doing things solo, even though I've got full creative control, which feels like a real luxury. <laughs> after being one of four for so long, um, it is also, you're suddenly kind of, yeah, faced with full responsibility of every decision and, um, full kind of responsibility of all of the stress and anxiety that comes with releasing a record. (laughs) But it is really, it's really nice. And, um, yeah, I, I have been working on this kind of in the background, um, doing a lot of years with exes and so it feels like and then having it kind of be prolonged by the pandemic again it it feels like it's been in the works for ages and so it's a big yeah it feels, it's a big moment.
0: Of course well and and I imagine as it as it should be and I'm very lucky that we actually get to have a chat with you in relation to this moment um do you remember when you first started not writing music but when you first kind of had the idea for a a solo record for yourself and when you kind of thought maybe this isn't for the band, maybe this is more for me?
1: Mm, I think I have always had it in the back of my mind. I mean, when I first started performing as a musician, um, that was kind of, yeah, like around 10 years ago, just before the band started, I was doing a little bit of solo stuff and I had, you know, a couple of EPs, um, but I never made an album, but I've always wanted to and been, you know, Dreaming it up, and then the Exes thing kind of happened by accident. Um, It was a friend's idea that we get together, and then we we thought we'd just do one show until we picked a really stupid band name, and then <laughs> it turned out that that kept going and going and kind of. Then you know, eight years later, we're like, oh, okay, this is a, this is a serious thing, and we should have thought more about the band name. Um, <laughs> but it served as well um so yeah it's always been in the back of my mind but I think as my tastes have changed and it's probably morphed in in lots of ways in how I imagined it might sound and um I learned so much with performing with exes uh you know I learned a lot about songwriting from the other girls and from collaborating with them and I learned a lot about performing and you kind of I think as a musician or even as a vocalist, I think you sort of assume that the sound that comes out of your mouth is the sound that you're stuck with, or it, that's a hard, it's a weird thing to say, but it takes, I've learned <laughs> that it takes a long time to find your sound. And I know that's a sort of a wanky thing that people bang on about, but you can also transform it a lot. And so yeah, I guess this was a gradual process of making lots of demos and writing loads and loads of songs, many of which didn't, you know, make the cut and kind of finding, finding a sound and a kind of um, production style that felt truest to me. And then, you know, taking time to chip away and really get it right and that's one thing that, you know, this process of recording was about 18 months. So, which is longer than it it should be. Uh, But, um, that one nice thing about that is that we really got to like sculpt it over a long period of time. And, and I suppose with a debut album, you only have, you have a feeling, you know, you can only do your first album once. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so you want to kind of I wanted to get that right to, so that I was coming out of the gates feeling really strong and feeling, um, like it was unique to me and, and quite different to the previous stuff that I've been doing. I think that was a rambling answer, but I don't know if any of it was (laughs) helpful, but you know what I mean? Um,
0: no, I, I I don't feel that it was a ramble and and it did make quite a bit of sense. And as you, I feel like just adding on a little bit, as you said, um, People's tastes and um, and their interests evolve, and in songwriting as well. Finding, I feel like every few years there is a new you, if that makes sense. Mm. Like that, it kind of um, it's another strange thing to say. And I feel that this record full of moon is so sonically striking. I, I feel like I will when when we're lucky enough to have guests on, we'll usually put on the album and and we'll, we'll take that in and. Um, Usually, kind of work around it and write a lot of our research or prep. I found for full of moon, I kind of had to just stop what I was doing and just kind of stare at my stereo while listening <laughs> to this, and I mean that as a compliment. <laughs> um, it was, it is incredibly unique. There are touches of um, ABBA. There's touches of Kate Bush. There is, I want to say, and I'm hope I'm getting I want, it's it's almost like baroque pop in a way. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I would love. Lo- that. I'd love to know how you approach that in terms of finding that sound. I know that you worked on the album and co-produced it with, I want to say, is it Noah Georgeson or Georgeson? Georgeson. Georgeson. Um, I'd, be, I'd be very curious how you guys kind of arrived at the sound that you did because I think it is, firstly, incredible, definitely a brilliant headphones record for anyone listening to this podcast, put on some good headphones. But, yeah, I'd love to know how you, you came to the sound. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, it, oh, it's, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> think about it. it's, hard. um, I think, yeah, I was just thinking about what you were saying about how you, your, your sound changes every few years and that's a, that is a nice thing and that's a lovely thing about um I think being an artist as well and something that we should c- encourage in in the musicians and artists that we like is that you know they you can evolve and you can transform and and actually yeah it's important to kind of not get bogged down in in obsessing over making something perfect because you can always do the next thing and that will be different and you know um but I think with this album I I think I always go back to artists that I love for inspiration and I was spending a lot of time with, you know, Kate Bush, people that you mentioned there, um, uh, Abba. Um, Rufus Wainwright is another f- absolute favourite of mine. And <clears throat> uh, things that I enjoy about their music and that I wanted to have in mind and I think that I sort of can't help – have anyway I'm sort of a bit compulsive about it is kind of quite intricate melodies and intricate chord changes and um, my yeah, there's a guy who plays on the record a lot, and he he did all the synths, and he does lots of horns and guitars, and and I would send him a song and some references, and and say, this is his name's Marcus Hamlet, he lives in Brighton, and I would say these are some sort of ideas. Let me know how you go and come back to me, and he would sort of take a few, sometimes two or three weeks to come back to me because he would always say, there's just so many chords, <laughs> and <laughs> and you have to. I think it was it's a fun challenge when something is a bit, um, yeah, a bit sort of musically complex, then you have to really get into the world of it and, and try and find something a bit sonically interesting. And because this was made during the pandemic when, you know, we were all locked down and, and the band were all based all around the world and everything was done remotely, during this kind of very lonely, miserable time, it became um, more and more layered and each musician would send through some parts and they'd sort of often send more than was necessary. And then it was Noah and my job to um, kind of sculpt the songs out of all the parts that we had. But we found that so many of them were wonderful that we left a lot in. And so it kind of layered up and got really, really, really lush and, for me was definitely, um, I, I love music that is quite rich and, um, a little bit theatrical and, uh, very lush. And I always uh, dreamed of, you know, making music that sounded like that, that it sounded sort of like a whole cinematic world and it had its own sort of eccentricities. Um, and, above all things was kind of seeking beauty and romance and I think particularly but in the context of you know how and when we made it it became something to escape into literally you know the making of it was something to really get lost in and, and as our world got very restrained and restricted this musical world we were creating kind of got more atmospheric and big and wild and um yeah and in terms I think yeah production wise I mean I loved what the records that Noah's worked on he's worked with artists like Kate LeBon and Marlon Williams and Devendra Banhart and Joanna Newsom and so many people who's who have that kind of I think have a similar love of, you know, beautiful but slightly strange and kind of quite intricate musicality and drama. And so I knew that I was in good hands with Noah. And we sort of shared, you know, artists and, and songs that we liked. We had reference points. But I also, because all of these songs we've written over many years and kind of collected um, between tours with exes or, um, you know, just over many years really in different places and different times in my life, there I didn't have a cohesive kind of concept in mind for them. So it, it came together at the end kind of by virtue of who was playing on the album and the mood we were all in and, you know, and the references we were inspired by. It
0: <laughs> It is um, an incredibly... As as you've said, and one word that I think is probably the best word to use for this record is lush. It is incredibly sonically dense. Um, I was wondering if I might be a little bit self-indulgent. I wanted to ask um, about one of my favourite tracks on the record. This one is maybe one of the more stripped-back songs. Um, It comes halfway through the record. It is What an Inconvenience, and I just thought that this track was just such a beautiful track. It just... um, I I don't know what it was to be honest. Think about it. I just kept coming back to track five, putting that on, sitting with it. I was wondering if you just, um, yeah, talk us through that track and I guess where that where it came from.
1: Oh, that's so nice to hear. Thank you. Um, That one, yeah. Well, the song is about. I've never. I've never really talked about this one. Um, It's kind. It's well. I'm going to spill all my secrets but it's sort of um, (laughs) it's kind of about fancying someone who's married already (laughs) Mm -hmm. hence the name what an inconvenience (laughs) and um and the complexities of that um uh you know it it's sort of about a specific situation but it's sort of about other stories too but um where you know things can be things can be very innocent and yet um, kind of about, uh, romance from afar in a way. And so it's got a bit of a dreamy, whimsical sort of sense of longing in it. And I, <clears throat> it was also one of the kind of folkier ones on the album where I'm playing the dulcimer and, um, I half Yeah, half the songs on the record I wrote and play on the dulcimer, which is a beautiful string instrument that I've won in a raffle randomly <laughs> um, <laughs> and I've become obsessed with. And uh, I've always wanted one. Joni Mitchell used to play one and they just have this really beautiful sound, which is kind of like a guitar, but it's a bit twangier and it sort of rings out for longer. And you can tune it in such a way that you get really interesting kind of modes and... and um scales happening and um it sounds beautiful when paired with acoustic guitar and that was something that Joni often did and so this song kind of is based on that I've got my friend James Daly playing guitar along with me on the dulcimer and he's doing this kind of constant moving, picking thing, which is really interesting and beautiful. And I was kind of inspired by like the relationship that Gillian Welch and Dave Rawlings have where mm-hmm. they, um, yeah, they're both playing guitars, but Dave's sort of noodling all over it sort of the whole time. But it's almost like they're one instrument. They're so, they're so gelled. They're just amazing. Um, so that was sort of maybe the musical inspiration. And then we added a few things like um Rob Moose who's a, the string arranger on the album he mm. put some beautiful strings um that come in sort of halfway through and when you sort of don't expect them to arrive and then they come in and I really like that and then Noah plays some electric guitar in the choruses and yeah it's got <clears throat> I don't know. I like that one. It feels sort of the most like a poem or something. That song, it's got it's kind of this verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. There's no not really any bridge except we do a little kind of noodly instrumental bit. But it's all a bit contemplative and kind of mellow and folky in in a way that feels quite dear to my heart. In that kind of journey gillian couple of my favorite gals kind of kind of way yeah
0: it well it it's it's in very good company i think that that track is yeah absolutely stunning. So not that i'm putting it that. in
1: in that company uh, that's just the they were my inspiration <laughs> that's all.
0: not at all i'm more than happy to my opinion is putting it in that company <laughs> that i know that you were just referencing but i'll <laughs> gladly um place that there <laughs> oh thanks Um, I was wondering Georgia whether you could share with us your your first introduction to songwriting or like what originally got you into making music and lyric writing
1: well my mum is very into music and she probably was responsible for introducing me to a lot of the musicians that I love you know people like Abba and Joni and all the sort of folk artists of the 60s and 70s and then a lot of fun bands in the 80s and we used to dance around in the kitchen every night when she would make dinner and and she also introduced me to musicals and you know um things like the sound of music and I was yeah I was very into music from a young age and I I can't really remember the moment where I decided I wanted to be a songwriter but it was early on but at the same time I was always very shy during school so um I knew that I would have to overcome some hurdles (laughs) and I had no idea how to write a song. I remember for a long time thinking that if I just sat at the piano, then I would sort of be like inhabited by some sort of spirit and then Mm -hmm my fingers would just move and find the notes and it just sort of would happen in that way. I didn't, I I really thought that as a teenager, like probably (laughs) too old. I just thought there's some sort of magic spell would be cast anyway, but it turns out you have to really think about it and practice for ages. And, um, so yeah, since my teens, I wanted to write songs and I probably was, um, inspired by, artists at school I really loved people like Sarah Blasco and Claire Bowditch like local Australian singer-songwriters who were really popular at the time and who I sort of I suppose saw myself a bit in in them and who they were and where they lived and where they came from and all of that and then I went off to jazz school after um school and studied in Perth and that's where I learned sort of yeah how to put a song together and and learnt about the theory of music and and even though I have a very complex relationship with you know the idea of a conservatorium of music and I had and I did four years and did drop out before the end of my degree um mm-hmm. I still am really grateful for having learnt all of those those things that I learned there and I think that my yeah, I think there's a lot of benefit to, to learning. Um, yeah, the the mechanics of it all in, in, as much as you can before you kind of um, go and have a bash. Yeah,
0: it's it's funny. Um, a fellow uni jazz school dropout, um, and also a number <laughs> of people that we've. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's a few people that we've had on this podcast um ranging from like young us indie rock um musicians to r&b people from uh, the uk or whatever and it's funny that there seems to be a high percentage of us that (laughs) don't
1: make it to the end
0: We've learned what we've wanted to learn and then we've gone, you know what, maybe not for me. But it is. It's still still a learning experience. You're still taking pieces of information that you want to apply to your own project away, which is the most important part.
1: Yeah, definitely. And there's probably something to be said for, you know, having enough sort of sense of rebellion or co- uh, to want to wanna leave before you um, get sick of it. I think I started to see that it was – it was very competitive and there was a sense of um <clears throat> you had to be a certain way otherwise you were no good or and there were a lot of people who were graduating with very little self esteem and i was like i don't want to mm. get to the end of this and not be brave enough to to have to try and do my own thing so um i'm going to i'm going to get out quick before i <laughs> drown um but yeah and you learn but you do learn a lot by 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 having the opportunity to study it every day, which is pretty crazy and a privilege.
0: Yes, one hundred percent. I think it's almost it's almost like a rock and roll thing. I feel like people are like, you know what, yeah. pushing back. <laughs> if I if I submit to it too much, it's not rock enough. Whatever it may be, but yeah. Anyway.
1: <laughs> no, totally.
0: Um, I would love to know, by the time this episode does come out, there are going to be some live shows announced, uh, which is very exciting. You've got Mm -hmm. some shows in Sydney and Melbourne in support of the record. How are you feeling about um, finally being able to play some of these songs in front of people?
1: Yeah, I'm really excited. I've got a wonderful band. There's going to be six of us on stage. um, And they're some of my favourite musicians. And I'm, I'm really excited about um playing these songs live and yeah I think I think it's going to be really exciting I mean it's it's a bit of a task because you know when you make something remotely and you've laid it up and laid it up and laid it up but we didn't think about how (laughs) to perform it live when we were making it We, we it's become like okay right now how do we do this after the fact um but that's been a fun challenge and yeah there's nothing I mean playing live for me is the most fun part and I really, yeah, I love the band and I, I can't wait.
0: That's super exciting. I know um, it's it's always a little bit of an unfair question to ask someone <coughs> or an artist their favourite song on a record, so I don't want to do that. But <laughs> um, as you said, you, you do have an incredible task in terms of bringing these, these incredible songs and arrangements and everything else to life. Do you have a track maybe one more so than any others that you're looking forward to debuting live or that you think is going to um, pay off in terms of the biggest, not the biggest arrangement, what's the word I'm looking for, in the way it's being converted, um, that you're looking forward to the most, I guess?
1: It's hard to say. I mean, I think my favourite song at the moment is probably War Romance, which is the first song on the album and it was the first single we released it feels kind of like the most dramatic and theatrical and there's something fun about doing that sort of a song um live because you really get to put it all out there and you know have a have a big sing and it's that's just a really fun fun one to sing and um yeah, but then at the same time, it's also really lovely. Like the the last song on the album is called Soothe You and I will do that one just with my piano player, the two of us. And that feels really special too, to do something really stripped back and, you know, yeah, I, it, it's, I'm excited about it all. It's all so new and fresh <laughs> and having a new band, you know, we're all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Um, it's going to be it's going to be fun. Hopefully, people come along.
0: People will be there. Don't you dare <laughs> say that. I'm, I know people will be there for a fact. <laughs> <laughs> Hope so. um, I do have to ask. I feel like it would be rude not to, from one podcaster to another. I know it has oh. been a little while between episodes, but can we expect a return of um, simply? Is it simply marvelous? Simply, yes, marvelous? simply marvelous.
1: Yes, yes. That's a Thank you for asking. (laughs) Um, Of course. That was a very fun project, um, project, podcast, podcast project that I did with my um, comedian friends, Reese Nicholson and Kyron Wheatley. And it started in lockdown in 2020 or 2021, 2020, um, when they were in Melbourne and I was in Sydney and we kind of wanted an excuse to... Chat. I mean, it was the time, it was right in the time where everyone was like, for God's sake, don't start a podcast with your friends. Um, and we were like, let's start a podcast with everyone. Um, and we would watch all of the Marvel movies and, Mm. um, in chronological order and then sort of have a few gin and tonics and talk about them vaguely. <laughs> but it mostly would go very off topic and we would just talk about ourselves and silly stories. And it sounds very self-indulgent and it is, but it is also quite fun because I think those guys are very funny. And um, anyway, we – eventually stopped because we got sick of marvel movies because <laughs> we would watched about 40 of them um so it is going to come back and we're talking about it a lot um but it's going to come back with a different concept i mean it still will be the three of us rambling on but um there may, there'll be very little marvel involved so yes watch this space
0: Look, very excited to hear that, regardless (laughs) of whatever the content may be, very excited to hear that there's an update. (laughs) Mm,
1: Thank you.
0: Um, Georgia, we would usually uh, end our episodes asking our guests what they're currently listening to. Is there anything at the moment that's kind of on high rotation for yourself?
1: Oh, what am I listening? Okay, look, I'm just going to go to my Spotify and see my most recently. (laughs) Let's (laughs) see what springs to mind. Um can I give two friend recommendations actually Of
0: course
1: yeah. Um I've been I am currently listening to new music from my um oh a frozen um from my friend Saya <laughs> Saya <Seah, laughs> Vogel she's an amazing musician who lives in Brisbane and she writes the really awesome kind of synth centric indie pop songs which are so great she's got a new album out and also a friend of mine lisa caruso who's a sydney artist um has released an ep of really beautiful kind of yeah slightly indie folky singer songwritery y but a bit electro beautiful songs so those would be two two that i love right now lisa caruso and saya vogel
0: very interesting I'll have to check both of those out after um, after our conversation today
1: yeah
0: um, Georgia thank you so much for coming onto to the podcast congratulations on full of moon it is out this week uh, we'll have all the details on where people can buy the record and see those shows in the episode show notes but um yeah thank you again
1: thank you so much it's lovely chatting.